this, uh, our project has been almost nearly three years in the making. Uh, slowly but surely, as we've uh, kind of first announced we were going to do the project and started doing research, and as uh, we've raised funds, we've produced, and we've raised more funds and produced a little more, and right now we are right at the edge of getting this film finished and getting it out to the public. Um, along the way, as we were doing research and, and, and doing filming and, and investigating and looking it into how the far left has put its tentacles in virtually every one of our church institutions, virtually every denomination has been infected by the social justice movement, by critical race theory not just denominations, but parachurch organizations as well. And as we were doing research, I come across this video of a guy from a Southern Baptist uh, seminary who decided to just uh, one day let it all out of what he was learning at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, it was really kind of uh, astonishing because we have had a lot of trouble finding people willing to go public about what's going on in their institutions. And when I found John Harris, I was like, yes, finally somebody has enough strength and is willing to come out and talk and share what is going on. And uh, I immediately got a hold of him. I'm like, uh, John, uh, we need to meet. We want you part of the team. Meet us in Atlanta. And uh, that's where I met him in person. And I was like, this guy is a friend for life. Not only is he a good friend, he's a very courageous individual that was willing to stand out, take the heat from all kinds of directions, and uh, it is an honor to have him as a friend, and I'd like to introduce John Harris. Oh, he also has this little podcast called Conversations That Matter that has over 30,000 subscribers now. Thanks, Jed. He usually calls it conversations that splatter, so thank you for pronouncing it correctly. Um, <laughs> yeah, as Judd said, I, I was a student at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, graduated in, uh, I guess it would be 2018 now, time's flying. And uh, while I was there on campus, I noticed a switch um, right around the election of Donald Trump where you know, the school had been promoting their Francis Schaeffer Institute. He was a Christian apologist, and uh, for the most part, you know, the, the teaching was, was, was pretty good. I didn't sense anything that was Marxist. Um, I'm sure there were some, some undercurrent of that that I probably wasn't aware of. Um, but in 2017, uh, it, there was an institution started at the school called the Kingdom Diversity Initiative. And as this, in, this new institution, which um, gave scholarships to uh, minority students um, based on their minority status and uh, did podcasts and blogs and uh, all workshops and these kinds of things, uh, I noticed a, a big change at the school. Um, I remember in, in 2017, the fall semester, there were three statements against Donald Trump or the alt-right that either originated in or were heavily supported by some of the professors and the administration at the school. And this is after eight years of President Obama and nothing, not, not one uh, attempt at opposition. Um, I remember events uh, you know, that Kingdom Diversity did, like they did a luncheon where they were supporting uh, the kneelers at the football games, um, articles 
being put out by the university uh, and, and podcasts and things against uh, veterans' monuments uh, because of racism. Um, I remember I was logging to my a student account one day to check my grades or do some homework, and all the students saw the same articles, but they had an article next to it to check out. It was something to the effect of the 10 ways that you might be racist but not know it. And I looked at my wife, I said, well, we should, we should find out if we're racist. Let's, let's click on this. And I was going through, and it said, you know, if you live in a neighborhood that's majority white, you might be a racist. If you um, work at a place of your employment has mostly white people in positions of authority, you might be a racist. And I turned to her and I said, well, that's Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Like, that they're, they're, they're burying themselves with this logic. I don't understand. It was very confusing for me as a student. But uh, I, I thought, surely other people see this. And to my astonishment, when I would talk about it with students, I felt fairly alone. Like, I was crazy. Like, I was the one that was, had the problem, and like nothing else had changed. Um, I went to a professor, I remember one day, that I thought I could trust. He, you know, you, you, Christians in the early centuries drew this, uh, the, the ichthys fish to kind of denote, hey, I'm a Christian, but we're kind of secretly communicating, right? So, you know, you have to do that when you're at one of these institutions and you're conservative, it's sad to say, you know, uh, you have to kind of drop little hints here and there. And he had done that in class, and I thought, he's someone I can talk to. So I, I went to his office, and I said, hey, uh, professor, I'd love to talk to you about what's happening on campus. And I gave him a few examples. And he said, shut the door behind you, okay? And he said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You have to keep this between us. Of course, I'm telling all of you, but I'm not identifying who he was. He said, if I were to tell everyone uh, at the campus what I really think of all this, I would be fired. I cannot say anything about it. And he proceeded to tell me about some other professors who felt similar. And then he told me that I basically, for my own good, I better keep my mouth shut don't challenge this, don't do anything about this. Um, I'm a student, and I think his intention was to protect me as a student. He didn't want to see me get in trouble. But, um, but my parents had me watch a few too many John Wayne movies when I was a kid, so I got in trouble anyway. And uh, I, <laughs> I ended up, I, I just, I had a little blog. I didn't have a lot of traffic. I didn't have a following, but I ended up writing an article on, um, uh, an issue that was uh, in North Carolina at the time um, being debated quite heavily in the legislature. Uh, there were a few monuments that were um, that, that some social justice warriors were trying to rip down and one of the professors, a history professor at our institution had done a, an interview with a uh, main, well it, it was probably owned by a mainstream company but the, the local paper and uh, the title was something like Confederate Monument should go to the ash heap of history but his logic in this article was that because it basically it offends a current um, sociological group, they, they feel negative emotions when they look at it, therefore the meaning of the monument is racist. And I thought to myself, well, let's take that logic and apply it to the Bible. If someone's offended by the Apostle Paul, does that mean he's a sexist and we can just rip pages out of the scripture? I thought this is the logic that will destroy everything we believe in. We have to go back to the authorial intent. What did the authors mean when they erected it? What does the plaque say on it? Does it say things like to honor, to home, to courage, or does it say to white supremacy? And it doesn't say to white supremacy. So I, I wrote a little blog and I just explained how you know, hermeneutics, which is the study of um, the interpretation of scripture, uh, hermeneutics need to take into account things like the intent of the author um, and the original audience. What did they think it communicated? 
Well, two days later, the um, vice president of the entire university sent me a message. And he said, basically, that uh, what I had done was wrong. Uh, and I'm, remember, I'm a student. This is the vice president. I don't even really know him. He said what I had done was wrong and that the particular professor that I had critiqued was a, a history guy. So he didn't have to abide by the same rules that theologians have to abide by. And I was dumbfounded by this. And um, long story short, after this particular incident, I, I ended up um, getting threatened with, um, and I had done nothing other than just post this little blog. Uh, academic Affairs was going to meet with me if I did anything similar in the future. I was warned very strongly about this. And I remember walking on campus and I would see professors huddled up and they would stop talking as they saw me walk by and look at me. And it was the most unusual thing. I had been on a number of secular campuses before that getting my undergrad degree and I had never experienced, even on liberal campuses, this kind of behavior. I couldn't understand why at a Christian university this would happen. I remember sitting in the car with a friend of mine one day and I said, you know, I was a little older than a lot of the students there. Most of them, you know, go straight to uh, seminary after undergrad. I had, I had spent a few years working and I, I said to him, you know, this really reminds me of, uh, in undergrad, what, what was Marxist. What, you know, I had a Marxist professor and this is basically, they're saying a lot of the same things she was saying. Um, and I think because of that work experience and being a little older, perhaps, I'm not sure, um, I, I was the one in class to raise my hand and try to oppose the, that kind of stuff when it would come up. You know, when, when the professor would say, we should apologize for the Crusades, my hand would go up. Uh, excuse me, professor. You know. um, but most of the other students, either if they agreed with me, they would not do that, or uh, most of them, I would say, probably didn't agree. They were going along with what their professors were telling them. So all that to say, um, that was my experience. And I, I could have left it there. I could have just said, forget it. Uh, I don't want to ruffle any more feathers. I've, I've done enough of that. Um, you know, maybe I want a good job in the Southern Baptist Convention. That was my intention, was to get involved with the SBC. But I, I kept thinking about all the students who would go there, like me, thinking that they're going to get a biblical education and then be brainwashed into social justice thinking. And I thought, they need to know. And after much prayer and deliberation and speaking with counselors, I decided to publicly share my story. And um, it was an hour and a half, so I gave you the very abridged version. But after I, I did that, I started receiving messages from all over the country. People in other institutions saying the same thing about very similar issues. Hey, you know, I'm in trouble because I supported, you know, the idea that men are men and women are women and homosexuality is a sin and I'm a, in this Southern Baptist institution and I can't say anything, don't tell anyone who I am. Those kinds of things. I was getting them from everywhere. And it, it was shocking to me. I, I, thought, I thought Southeastern was just a, maybe like this. But it turns out that this kind of thinking had been adopted in a lot of other places in the, in the convention. And then beyond the convention, people in crew were contacting me. Um, people in other ministries and organizations, uh, World Vision, um, same story from all of them. You know, I, I was against illegal immigration, and now all of a sudden I'm a racist, and, you know, and, and I have to apologize, and... Um, I, I can't, you know, don't say who I am or else I'll get fired. And that, that bothered me a lot, that there was this intimidation factor. So this was, I think when I made that first video now, that was two and a half years ago or so. It was, it was a while ago. Um, since that time, I, I thought I had this little podcast, and I just wanted to talk about things I was interested in, like hiking and, 
I don't know, uh, shooting my compound bow and driving my truck. And uh, it, it eventually ended up with, I, I was focusing on the social justice movement more and more because people wanted answers. They wanted to know more. They found what I was saying helpful. And, and that was two and a half years ago. And I thought what would be maybe a few weeks has, has just blossomed into a lot more. Um, so I wrote a book last year on the history of this uh, uh, called Social Justice Goes to Church. Some of you I know have that. Um, I just actually a few weeks ago started a production company. We're doing short uh, documentaries and videos um, on specific stories that, that help uh, explain what's going on and encourage people to fight it and to, and to also have hope because it's a very depressing thing. Um, but there is hope. Um, and we're going to talk about some of that. And, um, and, and there's a network now. We're about ready to launch it. We've been in beta testing called discerningchristians.com. You can even go online now and it's there, but we're going to have an app for it. And it's to connect churches and individuals who do not want to go along with the social justice movement. We have a very specific statement of faith. Uh, I think it's written, it's very sim simple, but it's, I think, pretty well written and specific. And it's, it's the intention is to go around the institutions, to network Christians that Maybe there's not a church in your area, but maybe there's 30 people from other churches who feel like you do, and a church planner can go out there or something like that, or you can start a church. So, so th these are some of the projects that I've been involved in, in addition to um, enemies within the church. And um, I, you know, I, normally I would bring you through a few examples of what social justice is doing. You know, here's here's a sad story about how social justice ruins someone's life. You know. I, like my friend who was called a racist because he shared a last name with a minority family in his church and he was told he had to apologize for generational sin. I might share a story like that. It's devastating to be called that. But I think after 2020, it's, it's not necessary to go through all that. You know what social justice is. You know what it does. Um, you've seen uh, Black Lives Matter inspire movements, burn down cities in this country. Um, you've seen gender confusion uh, take a, basically destroy women's sports just in the last few months. Um, uh, we've seen the devastation to businesses that the COVID lockdowns have caused, and don't think those things aren't related. They are. Um, we've seen cancel culture and what it's done, and many of, of you are probably even victims of that to some extent, whether that means being shadow banned on social media or losing your job. Uh, there's, there's many examples of it out there, unfortunately. And in the church, where you would think there would be unity, where you know, Christians have so much in common, um, being saved by, by the grace of God through faith, because you know, they are, um, <laughs> they, they are so, we should be so humble because we, are, we have been forgiven so much, the same battles seem to rage. And, and it, it should not be. I want to read for you. This is from James 4. I was reading this yesterday in my devotional time. James 4 Verse 1 says, What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? Is it is not the source your pleasure that wages war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasure. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Does that not encapsulate the social justice movement, the root motivation behind a lot of this? You know, what's causing this? Why, why is this all of a sudden happening? Well, it's, no, it's actually nothing new. 
Um, and maybe it's repackaged. But you, <laughs> what, what, did, what did the serpent say to Eve in the garden? You shall be like God. You shall know good and evil. And that's been the attempt of every false religion is to be like God. Man wants to usurp God. And in the social justice uh, movement, we certainly have, I think, a, um, an example of that, where the government uh, basically replaces God and creates this egalitarian society. Supposedly, they're, they're able to do this. They're not. But where everyone is going to be equal, it's going to be utopia, equity and inclusion and diversity. And, and we're going to get rid of all those, those mean people, you know, those, those evil Christians, um, all, you know, those evil capitalists, all the people that are causing problems, they'll go away and we'll eventually have a utopia. That's the goal. And, and the true motive behind all of that is a selfishness. It's a wanting something that God has not given you. He hasn't ordained the thing, the, that, that kind of a world does not exist. Um, it's actually a lie. And, and the lie is that if we get rid of all these different hierarchies, all these different things that are keeping you down, that you're going to eventually walk into this brave new grand world. And so people get canceled. People's lives get destroyed because they're the villain and, and, and they're the ones that are holding everyone else back from achieving this. Now what's the solution to this? How do you combat something like this? There, there was a quote you've probably all heard, you know, the only way to fight a bad idea is with a good idea. And I would suggest to you the social justice movement is a religion. The only way to fight a good religion, a bad religion, is with a good religion. In fact, there's only one of them, and that's Christianity. And you, you can, you know, put put your time. I would encourage you put your time behind political efforts. Uh, but we we need we need more than just a political effort. Um, the the only way to actually deal with this problem is to replace it with the truth. And the truth is going to come from Jesus Christ ultimately, and the truth of Christianity, and the truth the Word of God has for us. So there are hierarchies. Scripture talks about them. Um, there, there is a real world, and that's what we have to be for. The real wor world actually includes only two genders. To believe anything else, is, it's just not true. Um, the real world uh, includes objective truth. We all actually have to eventually believe that. Even to say there, there's no absolute is an absolute statement, or that you don't know truth means you know something about it. So there is objective truth. Um, the, you know, all humans are made in the image of God. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. No, no one's more important than someone else just because of the melanin count they have. Uh, the family is an institution that God has given us. That's the real world. That's the world God made. That's not the fake world. Black Lives Matter doesn't want the, uh, the traditional nuclear family. They want this village system, they call it. That's not the real world. And, and it's, you're going to run into problems every time you try to buck against the rules that the creator himself designed and um, programmed into the creation that he made. Uh, in the real world, the government isn't God and cannot be God. It's impossible. Can the government, uh, you know, stop the climate? I mean, they're trying. <laughs> Can the government, uh, you know, they're giving stimulus checks to everyone, but the government can't create value. They just have what, what they take from us. And so there's a lot of lies people are believing right now and lies, letting people believe lies is actually an unloving thing. People need to know the truth. And that's, and that's why uh, we're here. That's why you know, I'm, I'm trying to get behind efforts to expose and reveal the truth. Um, there's, really, there's really two things. Um, it, it's really one thing, but Jesus separated and, and, and he talked about two different aspects of, of it. 
The solution to the hate that's going on around us, because that's what it is, and it, let's just call it what it is. They call us haters, right? But let's, the, the truth is, the, the people that are burning down buildings, the people that are ruining people's lives by canceling them, they have a hatred, they have an anger. And the only solution to that is love. Real, true love. Not the fuzzy kind that you see maybe even on a Hallmark card, but the kind of love that is willing to sacrifice and risk. The kind of love the Lord Jesus Christ had coming to this earth, sacrificing and risking everything. And that includes also telling the truth, even when it costs you. And, and that's what we're encouraging. That's what uh, the documentary is about. Uh, it's getting the truth out there. So to rescue people, this is, this is actually a rescue mission uh, to deliver people from the lies that they're believing. I'll ask you this. Think of the people in your own life. I can think of them. I, I have friends who, are, who totally bought into this. Are they happy? Just even, you know, on a, on a level, an earthly level, right? Are they happy, you know, when uh, their guy gets elected or they get to, I don't know, um, you know, protest against the patriarchy and they get to cancel someone? I mean, does that really make them happy? Do they rejoice and their life gets so much better? I haven't seen it. It, it usually just makes them more angry. And they're on to the next thing to be angry about. And the next thing, there's no happiness in it. It's, it's, there's no light at the end of that tunnel. And isn't it, isn't it foolish and wrong and, and unloving to let someone continue in that? And so what we're trying to do is shine the light on this, to show people that that's a lie, that that's fake, that's not the real world, that's not the world God made. And to have friendship with the world, as James said, um, means that you are an enemy of God. And trust me, you do not want to be an enemy of God especially on Judgment Day. But even on this earth, you don't want to be an enemy of God. It does not produce the, the kind of life that actually um, evokes happiness. And uh, I'll take a word from the Social Justice Handbook, human flourishing. Um, it, it's not the kind of, of life that values the things that actually are really of value, those intangible things of honor and duty and the qualities of, of love and, and all, the, all the Christian things that, we've, um, that we value. So that's a little bit about me, a little bit about um, kind of what makes me tick and why I'm uh, doing this, because it's, it's sometimes inconvenient. I've been called names, and uh, people have threatened me, and, and that kind of stuff. But honestly, um, it, it is much better to please God than men. And so I would just encourage you, uh, you know, in your own life, um, just to, to think about those people that, that may be on this track. Some of them are ignorant. Some of them don't. Uh, Proverbs talks about people who don't know what they're stumbling over, and I, I've certainly seen that. I know a good friend of mine who was going down this path, and um, we were able to have some conversations, and he is totally against it now and sees it. So, so you can reason with some people, and I would just encourage you uh, to do that and uh, to trust God because ultimately God's in control, and we're just his vessels. So uh, with that, I'll just turn it back to you, Jeff. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. DLN's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.